Once again, coming to you from the city of brotherly love, none other than Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, broadcasting from and hanging out in the WWDB 860 AM studios. You've tuned yourself in to another episode of the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. What that means is we are bringing you the best ideas for what actually works for managing health issues, not just what has the most money behind it. By the way, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. You can reach out anytime or check out my work at evantransu.com. Well, if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks or really any time throughout the pandemic, you will know that I am a liar. My intro is a liar, at least sometimes. I'm not currently hanging out in the WWDB 860 AM studios. I am now in Kissimmee, I believe it's pronounced Florida. It's right outside of Orlando, and I'm hiding out here for a little bit. We'll be back in the studios in April, but I really appreciate WWDB giving us the opportunity to do these pre-recorded episodes really just a few days before and then present them live to you all. It makes it fun, and I don't like the call-in episodes so much on my end. I feel like it just... Uh, does not sound good. I need to upgrade my phone or something. So I'm glad to be here once again. We're going to be talking to a colleague of mine, Judith Hall, and a little bit about her. Judith helps women heal naturally without doctors using functional lab testing and biblical principles. She was a retired Broadway dancer, restaurateur, and wine buyer. I learned that word just today, by the way, pretty cool, from New York. And she was at a point where she accepted that her lifelong health issues were just normal for her. But then the recession hit and her health took a uh, steep nosedive. Doctors couldn't help her and they never had been able to help her. After she moved to Florida, she got divorced and became a single mom. She decided to go back to school for nutrition, graduated, and in 2013 started both her blog and health coaching by doing meal plans for people. However, the next year her health got even worse and she could no longer work full time. So she ended up on food stamps and Medicaid. But she found a great church and learned to put her health in God's hands. Judith then started researching everything she could about her health issues and watched every free online health supplement she possibly could. And this was how she was led to functional diagnostic nutrition, where she finally learned how to heal herself without doctors. And when her health started to improve, part of her healing was that God also restored her marriage. And we definitely want to uh, dive into that. I find that very cool and very interesting. And so here she is today, empowered by those tools that helped her heal after all those years of struggle. And she feels amazing. This is why she's so passionate about what she does. Well, that is a pretty cool bio. And I'm very excited to dive into your story today, um, as well as some problems we're having in healthcare. So Judith, thank you so much for being here with us. Oh, I, I am so excited to be here. <laughs> thank I you for have- having me. No problem. I might, uh, we'll see what happens, how that came out, because I had like my microphone put in front of the bio like an idiot. And I am like going back and forth trying to read this thing while not trying to touch the mic. So um, if you're listening to this live, then you know I redid, or I didn't redo that part. And um, if not, well, you would never hear this. So that's good. Anywho, I want to always start the show the same way, pretty much. And since we're talking to people in the functional and natural spaces, 
it is literally par for the course, as you know, Judith, for someone to have a personal story if they are in this work. So I'd like to start off with that before we talk about, you know, maybe some of the more larger issues or both big and small ones in healthcare and just getting to learn a little bit about you. I mean, what were some of the things that were going on with your health? And I guess most importantly, when did they start? Oh, boy. How much time do we have now? <laughs> 58 so, minutes exactly. Right. So, um, you know, my bio really sums up a lot. But, um, you know, I always I came out of the womb basically with digestive issues with my, my mom talks about how, you know, I always was I don't want to be TMI, but I had digestive and gastrointestinal issues. Right. Um, and I struggled with these all through, all throughout my childhood, all, it got worse in my teens. Um, and you know, in my teens, because it had gotten worse, we were back and forth to the family doctor. Um, and you know, back then we did have a fam, an actual family doctor. Um, and, but still is he was, he embraced a lot of he was very open-minded, but at, at the end of the day, it was just, let's try this medicine. Um, when things didn't improve, of course they did not improve. Let's try this medicine. And, um, fast forward, it turned out that I was celiac. So, um, and that we kind of deduced from doing the GI, GI map test and, just other, just other basic um, listening to other specialists like Dr. Tom and and uh, Dr. Tom O'Brien, and following a lot of different functional doctors. And it turned out that the high antibodies that I had most likely was that, and the progression of um, the progression of the deterioration of my gut lining, right? And all the other markers that show up on standardized blood tests, which we know now point to, oh, this is probably celiac, right? So before I could get a de an actual definitive diagnosis, I had my last straw before I moved to Florida was to ask my new family doctor back in New York for, you know, can we do a celiac test? And, you know, uh, Evan, that the standard tests that they use only tests for two of the antibody, two of the possible, you know, 17 to 40 different um, protein markers for that point to celiac, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I took this test and of course it came back negative. So it was a false negative, so to speak, um, which is very, very common using the outdated standard testing. And so I stopped eating gluten in 2010. Um, so if I were to, I had to then wrestle with whether or not once they came out with better testing, whether or not I really wanted to go through the eating gluten challenge in order to get a positive test. And I decided that, that I did not want to do that. So anyway, that, um, that was the crux of all of my issues, you know, and, um, when you are celiac and you have gone through your whole life without 
having that kind of knowledge about the fact that you are celiac, a lot of damage, a lot of damage happens. And um, the most important damage that happens is that you develop malabsorption because basically, you know, your gastrointestinal, your small intestinal lining is has been chronically inflamed and nutrients cannot pass through into your bloodstream. So you end up with a chronic breakdown resulting from malnutrition, right? And, you know, it's, um, you know, lifelong H. pylori, which I, I can even pinpoint when I, I knew that that H. pylori popped up. That was when I was... 15 and hospitalized for for mononucleosis and that was one of the tipping the straws the tipping scale so to speak it it um my health was never the same after that and you know so you I, you go through life i was a i'm a, an incredibly type a type personality and uh very driven. And so I was um, addicted to that high stress lifestyle. I was a professional dancer. And so, you know, when you're in that industry, it's very, um, very high energy, high intensity. And, um, you know, that and, and restauranting, which is, you know, late nights. Um, and, uh, did that for a number of years and, you know, working with people in the retail industry, that's very high, high intensity. So, and then owning businesses, that's like the tip of the iceberg in terms of high stress lifestyle. So all of those high, the high stress, the, um, you know, the celiac H pylori, it was a perfect storm for a, a breakdown, so to speak, and just um, in my body's physiology, physiology. And, uh, but so that breakdown culminated when, um, you know, stress, stress upon stress upon stress. And there's a, there's a test out there and I can't, I help me with the name of it. It's like the Hitchens something or other it's some test that you, some psychologists will have their clients take to rate the amount of stress you've had in your life moving. Like, and it, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I was trying to like secretly look this up while you were still talking. Um, and I'm actually not sure of that. I'm, I'm, well enough versed in psychology, but certainly no like formal degree. So I apologize, but I can try to find it here while we keep uh, chatting. Like what it, was the relevance of this to you? And the so this test, you it basically rates the amount, the, the um, intensity, the amount of stress that you've taken on by different uh, events that have happened in your life. And, you know, there's uh, domestic abuse, um, there's move there's moving across the country moving in general divorce death um 
death of a loved one. Um, uh, those are some of the, those are the ones, uh, the, the moving and the divorce and those were considerable. They give you a considerable score number. And I had moved, I don't know, I, I lost count after I moved like, you know, 16 times in my life. And there are people, of course, that, you know, are military children who have moved more than that, but it is a major stressor. And uh, divorce, of course, is definitely high up there. And so I had scored high and, and uh, the lifestyle, of course, that I was living was high stress. And so um, it takes a stressor. It sometimes, you know, you build up your stress bucket, your stress tolerance bucket. But it, then if you're, your health may be able to ride the stress bucket wave, but then it will take one additional stressor, major stressor for all the chips, all the, for everything to come tumbling down. And that's what happened with me with, you know, moving across the country wasn't, wasn't the thing that tipped the bucket but divorce what certainly was. And so after that, um, that's when my health really started to fall apart. Okay. And is it the Holmes and Rahi scale or Rahi or something like that? Is it the, yeah, I knew it was like, I'm so, it was, it was an H. It starts with an H. Yeah. Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I always do that with um, like the letters as well. I could tell you the exact, like if it's like even a person's first and last name, I could tell you exactly what it started with, but then <laughs> I will mix up um, the other aspects there. I mean, that's pretty cool that they even have something like that, that measures um, this level of, I guess, overall life stress, you said, correct? Like exactly. total amount that you've accumulated? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, definitely there is one thing that we hear a lot on this show and a celiacs and gluten sensitivity are, are parts of it. And I love the paint picture you're already painting for us, which is basically saying, hey, it's not just usually ever one thing. It's this accumulation of all these different stressors that really affect us. And that's typically uh, what I find most often, again, with people we interview on this show or just people that I'm working with, whatever, doesn't really matter. Um, so we're going to dive a little bit more into the story and then certainly some problems with healthcare right after these quick commercial breaks. Tired of talk radio shows that are nothing but Trump, Trump, and more Trump? Looking for something that actually has some relevance to your life? Then tune into The Pennsylvania Project. Hi, I'm Ken Krawchuk, host of The Pennsylvania Project. Our mission is to showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and we're all about solutions. So tune in Mondays, 3 p.m. here on WWDB, 860 a.m. in Philadelphia. When the problem is same old, same old talk radio, the correct solution is the Pennsylvania Project. Hey, everyone. It's Health Coach Ev here once again. As you can tell, I'm flying solo in the studio today, but I have a few questions for you. Are you listening to this show to better your own health? Have you tried changing your diet around, maybe seen some results, but aren't quite where you'd like to be? Are you tired of playing guessing games with which supplements to take or being told that your blood work looks normal, even though you certainly don't feel so normal? 
If you answer yes to any of these questions, then I have an amazing opportunity for you. Right now, you can be coached by a practitioner certified by the exact same program that I always reference as being the main contributing factor to restoring my health, functional diagnostic nutrition. FDN practitioners are a part of a group of elite health professionals who are highly skilled at identifying healing opportunities that no one else has uncovered for you, which I can attest to myself. They use cutting-edge functional lab testing, and through these tests, they'll be able to show you the hidden causes of your chronic health concerns. For me, it was these FDN practitioners who were finally able to explain to me why I had dealt with over a decade's worth of mental and physical health symptoms and what I needed to do in order to truly heal my body. There is a very limited number of people that they can currently work with, and in fact, you'll have to hop on the wait list. Make sure you don't miss the next opportunity to work with one of these incredible professionals. Go to fdnthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button. That's fdnthrive.com and then click the Get Started Here button. Hey, David, how's it going? Not so great, health coach Jeff. It's the holiday season. What? Shouldn't that mean you were merry and jolly? Well, I'd like to feel that way, but my family's coming to my house this year, and that means I'll have to deal with my dog Skippy jumping all over them as soon as they walk in the door. Oh, that old Skippy. Hey, I have just the solution for you, though. Have you heard of Eric Katz with Cats Dogs Canine? Cats, dogs, canine? Yeah, cats, dogs, canine. Eric Katz is a great friend of mine who has been in the dog business for years now. He offers doggy daycare, boarding, and training for Bucks in Montgomery County. The guy's got more five-star Facebook reviews than you can count, and he even won Best of Montgomery County for boarding and pet training. So you're telling me that Eric can get Skippy to finally stop jumping on people and embarrassing the heck out of me. You bet. I actually lived with Eric for a while and saw him fix issues like that in a matter of two to three weeks. The guy's a dog whisperer. Okay, okay, I'm in. Where can I find him? You can get in contact with Eric by heading over to catsdogsk9.com. Cats is spelled K-A-T-Z. That's catsdogs, the letter K-9.com. When you give him a call, tell him you know Health Coach Ev. And we are back. Welcome to the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. My name is Evan Transu, aka Health Coach Ev, and I am your host as always. We're talking to Judith Hall today, a pre-recorded episode being posted live, so we're really lucky. We still got some good quality today. We're not doing the phone call thing that um, I had done for a couple of weeks. And what we had just been talking about is kind of Judith's background in terms of her health issues. She was more of a type A personality uh, individual, which I definitely find more often than not um, on this show. And I'm going to guess that has largely to do with the fact that that is just one more thing that adds stress to the body in addition to the million other things that add stress to the body in today's world. Um, And we were kind of, I don't want to say coming to the conclusion necessarily, Judith, but like, I felt like we were kind of coming to the main point of all of those health things and maybe getting to that moment. I think you said it was basically divorce that really tipped it for you. And and that was just kind of the point where I'm guessing your health is at the lowest. And I mean, like, what are some of the symptoms you're experiencing at that time? Was there a diagnosis or just a whole cascade of different things going on? So um, right before I moved, um, you know, things were starting to decline. I and I lived up north and so had um I had was, of course, it's cold up north. Yes. But I was noticing that I was having a really hard time. My hands would become like numb and what my fingers would turn white. And, you know, in just 
cooler temperatures, not necessarily requiring me to go outside in sub-zero weather and have, you know, no gloves. Of course, your fingers are going to turn white. But this was happening just indoors or if I went into a supermarket and I couldn't tolerate going into like the meat section and the cooler section, you know, and and um, I had mentioned this to a doctor and and my family doctor and, um, you know, he said, oh, that sounds really consistent with um, you. You very well could have something called Raynaud's, right? Which is a, um, it's an autoimmune condition that is definitely characterized by those, you know, re- your extremities, especially your hands uh, reacting to fluctuations, fluctuations in temperature um, by your fingers becoming white and numb. So, you know, that was a somewhat of a diagnosis for me with that autoimmune condition. And then um, after both, after I gave birth to both of my children, um, I noticed a couple of nodules um, underneath my jaw and area. And um, it was quite alarming. So I went to ENTs on my family, my ENT doctor. And, you know, he said, well, we're definitely going to have to biopsy those because we want to make sure we want to rule out that it's not lymphoma, you know? (laughs) So you hear that word and you're like, the alarm bells go off in your mind. You're like, oh my gosh. So, um, it was not lymphoma, but, um, he said it definitely is a sign of, an autoimmune condition called sarcoidosis. So I had to go see a, the only specialist in sarcoidosis in that particular area of New York and uh, basically said that, you know, it's it's an autoimmune condition of your tissues that, you know, they just, your tissues react to, your, your tissues start detro- destroying themselves on their own. And this particular one is characterized by nodules can be in your lungs and and I did have that but you know was asymptomatic they didn't give me any it didn't give me any problems so you know there's two autoimmune conditions that were diagnosed before I moved to Florida and then when I when I moved to Florida um then after the divorce it it uh I you know my it was like my system was breaking down and I remember I I remember I um came down with shingles and um then after that it was there was it was just hard recovery. I could not recover. I was just fatigued and you know, I still got up and I, I still walked and tried to exercise, but I know that my my I wasn't able to even walk a mile without feeling like I needed to sleep for the rest of the day. Um, And, you know, I still tried to stretch and do easy exercise like, you know, planks and stuff like that. And it just, it became so incredibly difficult to do that without needing a nap. And that was most concerning for me. Like what's going on? You know, I was a professional dancer. I used to like lift, you know, I loved 
body weightlifting and you know I, I can't even walk a mile you know and right. and uh that that was the most concerning like what is going on with this you know bone crushing fatigue and and uh now what what i know is polyorthostatic um where you get dizzy when you stand up and um you know blood sugar roller coasters and just low blood sugar and um you know it, it had gotten to the point where i couldn't i couldn't go 2 hours without eating something i was about 10 pounds underweight um i was pan i would panic if i knew that i would be out for longer than two hours because there was that, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to eat or I'm not going to, I'm going to pass out, you know? So all of these things, they're pretty concerning and they prevented me from really working if I needed naps and I couldn't go more than two hours without eating. And I felt like I was going to pass out if I stood up and I felt like I was going to pass out if I didn't eat every two hours. So this was, um, this was the tip of the iceberg for me where I, you know, started my Google death spiral into trying to find out what could possibly behind, be behind all these things without having to subject myself to going to see doctors who would not understand, would not be able to help me. What is the first step, like for real, that in healing that actually helped you with these things? I mean, because you have a lot of stuff going on and some of the stuff is unique to the individual conditions. And then some of the things I can relate to, right? There is such a, unfortunately, common theme I find in people who are chronically ill, especially when we talk about the autoimmune aspect, where it's just like, yeah, how did you go from being a professional dancer to now doing these very basic things and feeling that level of fatigue. I mean, it's, it happens so slowly sometimes that it like, you don't think about it right away. And then all of a sudden you're like, how did I get to this point? Like what, you know, what was going on before that allowed me to do that? And then what's happening now? So kind of transitioning this interview into the, you know, part of like healing, where did the real healing start and what was the first thing that actually worked for you? Because I know it seems like it was a huge mix of, yes, maybe functional and holistic health practices, but also um, a spiritual or even religious practice. So I'd, I'd love to hear more about that and where the healing began. Um, that's a, such a good question. So like I said, I had started to Google, go into the Google death spiral, right? And... And it wasn't searches, medical searches. You know, I I refuse to, you know, look at these. You can really, you can really mess yourself up if you start Googling symptoms and, oh, I might have this and, oh, I might have that, you know. It was more of following natural health websites and forums about, you know, just forums. And there used to be a lot of forums, you know, almost 10 years ago on the internet, right? Um, but so I don't know how I think I, I was having these, um, 
now I know that they're now today, I know that they were detoxification issues, right? But then I didn't. And so I was having these bouts of like, hot flashes, nausea. Um, and the nausea would be just like bone crushing nausea in the middle of the night. And um, Evan, you probably know, like on uh, the it's, your body systems go through detoxification at certain times of the night, right? And your liver detox happens between 12, I mean, between 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., right? And that was the time that I was waking up every, every night. And I would like get up and I would have to walk it off. I'd go, you'd see me in the, in, in the street, on my street, in the middle of the night with my back robe, bathrobe on in the street, walking, getting fresh air, doing deep breathing, you know? And, um, I, so I, I started with that, you know, nausea, Googling nausea. and, And I ended up on Hulda Clark's website. Okay. And do you know who Hulda Clark is? I actually have never heard of her. I don't think. No. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, you have to look her up. So Hulda Clark, she was around forever and one of the pioneers of these natural remedies, right? And uh, for parasites, because I thought, you know, I, I I think gallstone or gall gallbladder issues, gallbladder cleansing. I she was talking about parasite issues and how to. Um, do a parasite cleanse, doing a gallbladder cleanse, right? So my first introduction to gallbladder cleanse, September, 2013. So I thought I'm going to do one of these. I'm going to prepare to do do one of these. And, um, you know, I was at the time I was divorced, right? So I was living with my parents and I decided their house was not set up for me to do a gallbladder cleanse. So, and with my small children around too, right? Like where's mommy? Why is she in the bathroom for like 12 hours? (laughs) So, (laughs) so I went over to my sister, my sister and her husband, I went to there because they don't have kids. I went to their house and I stayed the weekend because I was going to do this gallbladder cleanse. And they were like, oh, this is so cool. You know, they were all into it. Like I'm you know, telling them about it each with each step, you know, and, and so it was, I did this gallbladder cleanse, right. And, and, um, you know, it went well up into a point, you know, and, and, uh, the magic did happen and I would call them in like, you gotta see this in the toilet. <laughs> so, uh, I know. Only people like us would get excited. Know, about right? that. <laughs> but there was a, uh, a little monkey wrench. Um, the monkey wrench was, you know, I was feeling very ill and Holda Clark had said, if you feel ill when you do this, then it probably is a sign that uh, you do have a parasite and then you're going to need to do a parasite cleanse. And I thought, okay, I'm game, right? So the, it started with a gallbladder pl- cleanse. And then I posted about my gallbladder plen- cleanse on my Facebook uh, page at the time. And then I went straight into this parasite cleanse, right? So I got all the um, clove and wormwood. And um, what else did I use at the time? Clove and wormwood. I think those were the things in oregano oil. Okay, oil of oregano. And I did a 90 day parasite cleanse. All right. So I just go hog wild. Evan, right into this parasite cleanse. And I felt like 
I mean, I at one point I thought that I was going to have to go to the emergency room. I felt so horrible, right? And I had heart palpitations and whatnot. But I was going through it. I was going to do it. And um, again, now I, in in hindsight, I know that you know you don't go hog wild into any kind of cleanse without you know opening the detox pathways first. So you know I learned the hard way that way. And uh, anyway, fast forward after it was over, I did the full ninety days, right? And after it was over, I really did feel like the needle had moved. I knew I was onto something, you know, not a hundred percent. I mean, it wasn't even a, it was a small percentage, but I knew I was onto something like I'm onto something. This, this is working this, I, I have to, I have to learn more about this. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I let that go. It was temporary at best, but it did make a difference. And then that put me in 2014. And so I was starting to, you know, try, try dietary um, adjustments. So I went into paleo. I did, um, I tried GAPS. GAPS wasn't very good for me. Um, I started eating fermented foods and, you know, I was making kimchi and I was making probiotic lemonade. I was making homemade pickles. I was making homemade sauerkraut and I was doing this like every week and having some and, and eat drinking kombucha and all that, like going hog wild on the ferments, trying to, you know, what I thought was trying to, you know, help my build my good bacteria, my good gut bacteria. So fast forward, um, you know, I thought I, I was trying all these things and they weren't really helping at all. And I was having some major histamine issues. So, you know, it's funny. I mean, that's the way it goes, you know, when you're just kind of going at it blindly without professional help this is what it looks like. You try this, it works a little bit, but then you want more, you want it to work more. So then you try that and it works a little bit more, but not quite as much as you want. And so then you try this, you know, does that sound familiar? So um, just a bit, just a bit. And you know, I've definitely <laughs> never been through that myself. <laughs> and certainly learned something, a thing or two, I should say, about the opening up of the detoxification pathways first. Hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So it, I definitely relate to that as well. Totally. So, um, you know, so the histamine, I started, you know, losing, losing the hearing in one ear. It would come and go and I would think, I just thought it was allergies, you know, and it could have, you know, definitely I had allergies, but that was very concerning. Like, hmm, you know, my, my hearing is going in and out for some reason. So, and then a couple months later, it actually just, my hearing in my left ear just completely went. And it was like that for two months while I was con continuing to eat, you know, do you think you're eating what you, the right things you think, kimchi is good pro you know fermented foods are good so i'm just gonna avocados are good you know you think you're eating all these things that are good but they're not real necessarily good for you and so that's where i was i was eating this great clean diet 
that I thought, okay, well, why am I not, why are things getting worse and I'm eating so well? And, um, and so my, I decided to stop the, I don't know what it was, but I stopped the fermented foods. I, um, decided here's my last ditch effort. I'm going to do an elimination diet. I'm going to go on paleo automat autoimmune paleo do an AIP and doing the AIP actually was the biggest needle mover. I thought that I had my life back, so to speak, like, Oh, this is great. And I was very diligent in when I finally did reintroduce foods to write down what my reactions were so that I knew, okay, I have, I have a little control here. I'm empowered. If I know that I, when I eat almonds, that I will have this, you know, I eat almonds and I know that I'm going to have, you know, pain in my bladder the next day, then I can be empowered to decide whether or not I want to eat almonds or not, if I know that I'm going to have just pain in my bladder, right? So I did that and I was able to, I think I was able to reintroduce, you know, I think about it, I had eliminated a bunch of foods from my diet because AIP is pretty strict. And I think I was able to get through five reintroductions after 60 days because I would eat something that would kind of send me back and I'd have to start all over again. And it was crazy. And so I did, I stayed on AIP, strict AIP, strict, like OCD AIP, if that's a thing, you know, I should make that a category (laughs) or a blog post. Are are you doing the OCD AIP diet? Um, (laughs) And I did it for, I stayed on it for two and a half years until I started FDN and we did an MRT. And then I found out that, oh, okay, well, you know, all of the things that I wasn't able to reintroduce without having them send, send, having it, those reintroductions set my health back, they showed up on that test. And um, then, but, but doing FDN, the point is all of those things I tried over a period of two years and they only moved the needle a little bit, but it wasn't until I had the right functional testing through FDN where I was able to put all the puzzle pieces together and really have some real um, resolution. And that is what uh, so many of us have been through. And for those, I'm sure many don't know what the um, you know, autoimmune paleo diet is, it is basically just meat and vegetables. You even are taking out like the seeds and nuts and stuff that a lot of paleo diets typically would allow. Um, so it's not like it's bad, but it's pretty restrictive. Um, and to do that for any period of time is challenging. And I know when I have people go through that for a temporary period, 
hey, I got to get their mindset right. To do it for two and a half years, um, yeah, that takes some next level um, discipline. But I know also today, one of the things we definitely want to talk about is problems in healthcare. And we're going to jump into that right after these quick commercial breaks. Folks, does the idea of supporting you or your child's mental health sound appealing, but you have no idea where to start? Do you think it's all just way too complicated to actually apply in a practical way? Well, that's why I published my book last year, Overcoming Mental Health Challenges, How I Resolved 13 Years of Mental Health Issues Naturally. In part one of the book, I share all of the details of my mental health journey. This is meant to relate to those out there suffering as well as validate any symptoms that they may think are strange or abnormal because unfortunately, those of us dealing with mental health issues in silence, we, we might do some things sometimes that seem a little strange and it's really only because no one else talks about it, um, but it turns out a lot of people are actually doing those things. And part two contains all of the basic action steps I took to find finally get my mental health under control naturally. You can grab a copy of the book today. It's actually on Amazon right now, and we are celebrating a year since publishing for the month of February. So if you're listening to this in February of 2021, the book is only $9.99. Just go to Amazon and type in Evan Transu, that's T-R-A-N-S-U-E, and get your copy today. Does the pandemic have your hair looking a little funky? Do people stop and glance at you while you walk down the street? Folks, hair salons have been open for a while now. It's time to get that haircut you've been procrastinating. And when you do it, you should head to Hair and Visions in Ottsville, Pennsylvania. Hair and Visions is open Tuesday through Saturday. They specialize in coloring and also offer keratin treatments that give you a you give your hair a smooth finish. Hair and Visions offers haircuts for all ages so you can bring the whole family. Schedule your appointment today by calling 610-847-8894. That's 610-847-8894, and you can tell them Health Coach Ev sent you. And we're back. Welcome to the Health Coach Ev Show, where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. I'm your host, as always, and we're talking to Judith Hall all about well, a lot of different things, really. Her story's pretty in-depth, and I've been having a ton of fun talking to her about different things that she's went through and the transformation that it takes to really get healthy um, and the stuff that we go through, sometimes getting a little, I guess what we could have called, uh, you, you know, before the break, we are talking about Judith doing a, a relatively restrictive diet that is great for the short term. It's awesome for that, but for a very long period of time. And, you know, it's like almost orthorexic, and it's understandable because so many of us that have dealt with these severe health issues, all we want to do is feel well. And until we get those deeper answers, then, you know, it's like, okay, well, we don't really know how to feel better. So we find these little things that manage the symptoms and we just hold on to them as tight as we can. And it looks pretty strange to the outside world. But again, if you get it, you get it. It's really a shame to be getting dizzy and fatigued over the little list of things and having GI troubles all the time and all these other list of symptoms that people go through. So we might just have to have Judith back on for an off the air episode to kind of continue some of the story. I definitely, Judith, want to hit on um, one of the topics that I know we wanted to get to today, which is the problems in healthcare. And I'm sure at least some of those relate directly to your story, but there's also probably things that you just don't like in general. So I don't even know where to start with that. We got about 12 minutes left in the show. I'm curious, like, let's start with the bigger ones, you know, that really bother you. We, we had gotten connected before, um, not only just being colleagues, but from me posting in uh, one of the groups that we are both a part of, like, what are the things that drive you the most crazy in healthcare? And I can't even remember off the top of my head because there was like 50 comments, but do you remember what you commented on that post? I do not because there are so many, I have so many things to comment, but I think I might have commented on something that some 
whatever whatever someone else didn't comment on, I think I added to that. Um, but, um, you know, I took that. It's interesting that you bring this up because I took that list of all of the responses from all of our other colleagues and I sent it to my email list on, on one of my emails. And I got a response back from them too. Like that was one of the top opens um, that of all of my opens, meaning that was a popular email um, where a lot of people had responded. Um, but, um, you know, like health insurance, here's one here, health insurance that doesn't cover anything that actually builds health. So and that would, that really encapsulates the, encapsulates the functional lab tests themselves. So insurance doesn't cover functional lab testing and functional lab testing, you know, it's, it's costly to the average person to shell out of pocket an average of $300. And that's a low cost functional test. You know, you have to come out of pocket for the things that really give you the most information about your health situation where standard blood testing that doctors use it doesn't really give you any information that's going to help you figure out or help the doctors figure out what's going on inside your body. And a perfect example of this, Evan, is, you know, you'll every year you'll go to your doctor and they'll run your on in your well, your wellness visit. They'll run your, they'll run standard blood work. Okay, well, we're going to run your standard blood work panel, your CBC, your your lipid panel, your um, electrolytes, and the CBC that they run doesn't include something called differentials. And you need the differentials to figure out if you have infections going on. So that's like a major, it's like going and going to get an oil change at the mechanic and the mechanic doesn't bother changing your filter. (laughs) You know, you're missing like the most important, one of the most important parts of the whole test. Right. Um, You know, so that's like, that's one or in the other one, which is really, really hard. And it plays into the whole mental, emotional piece of going to doc to see doctors and going and dealing with that is telling patients, making them feel like it's all in their head. I mean, because that's what you, that's the takeaway that you get when the doctor just runs this random blood work panel and then tells you that everything came back fine. Everything, your labs look good. You know, so how the person on the receiving end, where does their mind go at that point? Hmm. The doctor is telling me that there's nothing wrong. So 
you know, the average person will translate that to mean something else. And the trans, the common translation is that something must be wrong with me because the doctor's telling me that there's nothing wrong with me, yeah. but there must be something wrong with me because you know what I mean? It, it's so well said. And I, it's unfortunate because when I've shared these types of stories or problems with people, they definitely empathize and believe me, but there is a good fraction of the world who's never really experienced that. But for those of us who've dealt personally, um, either directly or indirectly with autoimmune disease, there is nothing, Judith, that gets more consistently misdiagnosed or undiagnosed than these autoimmune conditions. It's ridiculous. My mom, it took, I think it was like five or six years before someone finally figured out it was Graves' disease, which is an autoimmune disease of the thyroid. For those that don't know, Hashimoto's is the most common one, and then Graves' disease is um, the second most common one. And wow. you know, it just takes forever for these things to get addressed. And it's really unfortunate because then this person is experiencing all these different symptoms and they're being told by this professional that they trust, oh, well, you know what, your blood work looks normal or this uh, lab looks normal. So um, there's nothing wrong with you. You know, you are fine. Well, if I'm telling you I am not fine, then I'm not fine. You know, and I think that there's a lot of things that we can focus on. You know, we could go for hours on the problems in healthcare, but I think one of the largest things is that that we can change tomorrow is having all of these professionals, doctors, practitioners, whatever, when someone's coming into you and they are clearly a sane individual saying, hey, I'm dealing with these symptoms on a regular basis. Why don't we believe them and give them the benefit of the doubt, even if our limited testing doesn't match up to what they're saying? Maybe perhaps the person is correct and our technology is just not great enough or that technology being used is limited enough that we can't figure out why they feel that way. But what a thought that would be, right? <laughs> That's a loaded, and that is a loaded statement because um, it really, I, I, I believe it plays into well, so many factors, but, you know, ego has a lot to do with it. Ego and not the lack of compassion, but the inability to take time to have compassion. And this is coming from the doctor's point, right? The, where I'm talking for doctors, right? Com not, not being allowed to have time for compassion because you are only allowed to spend seven to 10 minutes with your patient. So there's a level of disconnect and right. It, there's a level of disconnection that has to be employed when you walk in the door to see that patient, because you know, walking in the door that you have 10 minutes with them. So how involved you can't, you don't have, you have, you don't have time to get involved. And you people like to when they're talking about their symptoms i mean look at me look how much time i took telling you about my story right when people are telling you their story and their story has to do with symptoms and how they're feeling they can it's hard to reel people back in and doctors know this they don't have time for that so they're they're already disconnected when they walk in the door because they don't, they can't 
it's not possible for them to engage because they don't have the time because that time allotment is dictated by the insurance company. And if they want to get paid at the end of the day, they have to see such a, such amount of patience in that day. So it's not, it, it, and so it's hard to, it's hard. People wouldn't, they're not going to take the emotion, make the emotional investment and try to analyze and, and, and think through from the doctor's point of view. Not when people are sick and they're not feeling well. They don't even have the ability, the critical thinking ability to look at it from their perspective. All they, they're entrenched in their story. They're not getting help. And that just builds upon itself. Time and time after again, time and time again, they're not getting help. And so they're deeper into their story. And it closes off the ability to be able to look at it from the doctor's perspective, which is they don't know what they don't know. They don't know what they haven't been taught. You're sitting in my office and you're telling me you're not feeling well. And here's, here's my limitations. I have, I run these standard labs. And if these standard labs tell me that you're okay, then I don't have the ability to help you anymore. Mm-hmm. That's sad. That's really sad, but that really is, that's like the bottom, that's like the bottom line. You know, they don't have the ability because they don't know. And people, the general public doesn't know that they don't know. But the doctors, how many doctors are transparent enough to say, tell me a doctor who's transparent enough to say, I'm sorry, Mrs. Smith. I, I just, I don't know what I don't know. (laughs) You know what? You could submit that to the website if you found the person, because I have not seen that individual yet, unfortunately. (laughs) Um, And I love your objectivity there, right? Because you're addressing the problems that these doctors have. But then that last thing there was clearly something that we could literally change tomorrow by just having that honesty. If someone comes and talks to me, I must refer out 15 to 20 percent of the time without exaggeration. I'm just like... I can't help this, or I, at least I'm not the most ideal person for this. You mm-hmm. know, you need to go talk to this other individual. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe um, how fast this hour flew by. And I loved hearing your story. I know that's actually some of the episodes that do the best on this show is when we are more story oriented. But I still, I feel like you and I have such a larger conversation here waiting to unfold around the problems in healthcare. So if it would be okay with you, I'd love to have you on again for the off the air episode sometime soon. And what those are is, you know, we're only live with the interviews once a week, but the off the air episodes are on all major podcast platforms. They're released much more frequently than the once a week. And they give us the opportunity to take certain guests um, that have a little bit more to say, which is many of them, (laughs) and bring them on again to kind of go into those deeper topics. So Judith, you and I will definitely have an opportunity to do that. But with really only about a minute and a half, two minutes left in the show, I want to make sure we get people um, your information so they know where to find you if they're interested in working with you. So my two quick questions here are, who is your ideal type of client? And then of course, where can people find you if they're interested in working with you? So ideally, my I help women who are struggling, who have stories just like mine, um, to navigate getting their health back online, getting their health back, their life back, using FDN principles, which is functional lab testing and lifestyle um, lifestyle work to to get them so that they can have the life that they used to have or 
even better. And um, you can find me on Instagram at The Nutrition Warrior. Uh, that's my handle on Instagram. And you can find me, uh, my website is triunehealth.net. Awesome. Well, I will make sure that is in the show notes for everyone, both on the WWDB website. And of course, if you're listening to this on our podcast, the Health Coach Ev Show on all major podcast platforms, it will be in there as well. And stay tuned because I'm hoping that Judith does accept my offer here to come back on again and just do a full hour. Awesome. All about the problems in healthcare and then also some solutions, you know, because I think it's important that we pose some of those things as people that are more involved. And everyone, I just want to thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Health Coach Ev Show where we are leveling the playing field around physical and mental health. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and we've been talking to my friend Judith Hall. You can find her um, in the show notes by checking those out. Website, Instagram handle will always be there. And you can, of course, get in contact with me by heading over to evantransu.com. We look forward to talking to you again, and we will see you all next week. Hey, folks, it's Health Coach Ev here coming to you with an important message that is somewhat sad, uh, but also an amazing thing at the same time. And I'm going to try to focus on that second part, the amazing part. What it is, is a call for help for support with a cancer center that has opened up in my aunt's name. My aunt Corinne had suffered with cancer for a few years, starting with brain cancer, eventually getting diagnosed with breast cancer, and then kind of an awful mix of both things. And my aunt Corinne was someone who got interested in the holistic side of things, unfortunately a little too late. Um, cancer is something that is a little different than some of the things we typically see in the holistic space like autoimmunity or chronic mental health or just general physical ailments. Cancer is scary. Cancer is something that encourages us to take immediate action and it is usually life-threatening, right? Almost always life-threatening. So, what happens is, unfortunately, people end up going through the ringer with Western medicine with cancer because they're already going through the ringer health-wise anyway. And listen, guys, holistic stuff's important. And I talk about it all the time on this show, but all of these things have a limit, right? And what my Aunt Corinne wanted was to build a center, basically, to help people who are dealing with cancer. It's an amazing thing. And this place is actually being built. Pine to Pink and Green Street Real Estate pledged $200,000 to launch a 5,000 square foot facility at Heritage Center in Buckingham, Pennsylvania. And we are still looking for about $100,000 in investments. Of course, that would be an amazing thing to have from one founding partner, but they are absolutely accepting all kinds of donations to get that money supported and um, built up. So if you'd like to donate to the Corinne Socorro Wellness Center, please visit www.pinetopink.org and click on the donate button. You can also mail checks to P.O. Box 307 in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, which is 18901. This is a place that is going to do a lot of things and support people emotionally, physically, and socially who are dealing with cancer and a wide variety of free, holistic, and integrated services are going to be offered, including nutrition classes, support groups, book clubs, acupuncture, energy treatment, counseling, yoga, and fitness. These things are all going to be there. It's right up Health Coach Ev's alley, and it is an amazing thing that my aunt wanted to create, and it's even more amazing that it's being created so quick after her passing. So I hate to leave you on a sad note today, but I hope it's looked at as a positive, and we could really use some support with this. So visit, again, pinetopink.org to donate.